The season is over for the Louisville men's basketball team after losing in the second round of the ACC tournament to Virginia. We will recap that contest and more on this episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Mobile Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university. I want to take this time, as always, to personally thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the Locked On Global podcast is free on all streaming services, including YouTube, five days a week, your team, every day. The men's basketball team's season came to an end on Wednesday evening to the Virginia Cavaliers, 51-50 to in the second round of the ACC tournament. We'll discuss how lack of execution led to defeat for the Cardinals. We will then transitioning into uh, analyzing the season for the Louisville senior class. And then finally, um, the coaching carousel for football continues as um, the Louisville football program announced a new hire in Josh Stepp as the new tight ends coach, moving Nick Cardwell over to offensive line. We will discuss those moves here um, shortly. Or here, we'll discuss those moves shortly. Um, but first, we'll start out with uh, the men's basketball portion of the show. The team lost 51-50 to against the Virginia Cavaliers in the second round of the ACC tournament, ending the Cardinals season at 13-19. and um, A disastrous year, seemingly from the beginning of the non-conference slate. Um, this game in particular, it went back and forth. The Cardinals played Virginia extremely well. Um, had the lead a little bit in the second half. Unfortunately, it came down to a matter of uh, lack of execution in the final minutes that put the Cavaliers past um, the Cardinals in this one. Um, questionable shot selection um, you know, down the stretch. There were some defensive lapses, especially when Reese Beekman's layup put the Virginia Cavaliers up four with less than about 40 seconds to go. Um, you know, Jared West took a very deep three when the Cardinals were down two, and then Noah Locke had a uh, very costly turnover after the Cavaliers went up for them. Louisville was able to cut the lead uh, to two, but um, uh, Gardner was able to knock down both free throws, uh, thus ending the game for the Cardinals despite um, you know Louisville hitting a last-second desperation three, um, cut the lead to one overall. I was impressed by the effort uh, put out by the Cardinals on Wednesday evening. I thought that defensively that was the most engaged uh, defensively that I've seen this team all season long. Offensively, it was a little rough, only 50 points, um, but that's to be expected against a you know Tony Bennett-led squad. But um, yeah, I like the fact that they were getting the ball inside. And um, you know, hats off to guys you know, like Sidney Curry, Malik Williams, etc., Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough, and it was one of those instances to where, you know, through the first two games against Virginia, you know, the Cardinals struggled with ultimately getting up over the hump. You know, they, they were able to tie it at times or get within striking distance, 
and uh, but at the end of the day, they weren't able to seal the deal. It was a little bit closer, obviously, than the first two contests because Virginia, I don't think, ever led by more than maybe five points in this game. It was really just a back and forth, um, you know, affair between the two teams. And I was just, I just came away extremely impressed with, especially the the defensive effort against Virginia. Ultimately, uh, the Cavaliers did not hit one three pointer against the Cardinals. I'm not sure the last time a team has ever, you know, missed all of their six three-pointers and beaten the Cardinals. Louisville, on the other hand, five for 22 from behind the arc, 22.7%. Out-rebounded Virginia by two, um, had two more turnovers. Uh, Virginia shot 42% from the field, Louisville 35.7. Like I said, it was a lack of execution. I felt like when the Cardinals were best on offense, it was when you had guys like Malik Williams, Sidney Curry getting the ball inside because Virginia really didn't have an answer for either one um, for the most part or really anyone taking it to the rack. But they still decided to continue to you know, hoist up threes, went five for 22. I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying they shot themselves out of this game, um, but I think that, you know, the lack of efficiency in that aspect really hurt the Cardinals when you talk about this being a one-point contest. So, you know, overall, um, you know, I thought Malik Williams played his heart out in his last game as a Cardinal. I was impressed with uh, some of the things that I saw from Sidney Curry, um, but really it was a two-man show for Virginia. Like I mentioned, Reese Beekman had that layup to put the you know Cavaliers up four. Um, there were only two players that scored in double figures. He had... Actually, Beekman didn't even score in double figures. He had eight. Um, but Jaden Gardner led the way. 17 points was a mismatch all evening long for the Cardinals due to his size in the paint. Kihei Clark um, continued to be a thorn in Louisville's side every time he plays against them. Seven for 14 from the field. Had 15 points to go along with four rebounds for the Cardinals. Uh, one player in double figures, that was Malik Williams. Sidney Curry had six. Noah Locke with eight. Um, Sam Williamson, nine, L. Ellis with seven. So definitely didn't necessarily shoot the ball well from the field, but it was the defense that kept them in this game. And I uh, was I came away very impressed. But unfortunately, some of that progress, some of that um, you know, overall, you know, the leeway that they created was um, you know, evaporated pretty quickly when you looked at the shot selection. I thought that some of the looks were decent. But I also felt like the Cardinals um, rushed some shots or they you know, took too long. There were a couple shot clock violations, some uh, unfortunate turnovers. I will say it seems like every time Louisville plays Virginia, you have to prepare yourself for um, a questionable whistle. Look, I'm never one to blame officials for a team losing a game. I didn't do it um, against North Carolina. When Armando Baycott flopped, got the foul call and the technical foul call, and then and then um, you know, ultimately, you know, fouled Sidney Curry in the head and neck area, and then Sidney Curry was called for the foul in that game against North Carolina about a, what about a month ago. Uh, but I, I do think that sometimes it needs to be acknowledged. I feel like every time Louisville plays Virginia, you know, Virginia gets away with some um, you know questionable defensive calls. There were some calls on the offensive end for the Cavaliers that I thought were kind of uh, tic tac fouls. Um, some clean strips that were called fouls. Some continuations uh, that were called fouls and and ones. 
Um, and, and it is what it is, but I felt I don't necessarily think that Louisville got that um, uh, yeah that favorable whistle on their end of the offense, especially on the last player. So where Sidney Curry goes up for the layup, he hits the layup, but obviously gets fouled. And um, it's not called. That's the difference between Virginia up two and going to the free throw line for two with, um, you know, what, four seconds to go or up one and at the free throw line for two. So that makes all the difference. But like I said, you cannot blame officiating because the Cardinals had every opportunity to uh, be able to go up in this game. It seemed like in the second half, you had started out all Virginia. Louisville had a, what, a four point halftime lead it was like 24 to 20. Virginia ends up going on, I think it's like a seven or eight oh run. And, um, you know, Louisville battled back, and it was just kind of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, all second half. And I thought that there were instances where the Cardinals tied it up, and they had the opportunity to really try to, you know, get a lead late in the second half, and unfortunately um, just weren't able to do so. So the lack of execution down the stretch for Louisville proved to be too costly and ultimately was the reason that the season has ended at 13 and 19. So um, I want to take this time now to – um, take a little bit of a step back. I want to analyze the seasons for the uh, four seniors: Malik Williams, uh, Mason Faulkner, L. I'm sorry, not L. Ellis, um, Noah Locke, and Jared West. Uh, we will do that here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at Stat Hero. Man, I love March Madness. I love the brackets, but sometimes I can't remember the last time I actually went deep or even won any money. Um, this year, however, most people I know are hedging their bets with Stat Heroes NCAA Pick'em contests. Um, you're able to take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Stat Hero gives you the, the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players that you can choose. And this is what Daily Fantasy was simply meant to be. So do yourself a favor, sign up for free today right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100% match deposit. That's stathero.com slash locked on and using the promo code locked on for a 100% match. Maybe you didn't hear me. Stathero.com slash locked on with the promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Louisville your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Bracket Breakdown March 14th right here on the Locked On Louisville podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup. All right. Transitioning over into um, a little bit of a, of a step back, talking about, I feel like I did a, a little bit of a step back, huh? a, little, a little corny pun there, um, but I want to analyze the kind of um, collective seasons that the 2022 senior class has had, um, Malik Williams, Mason Faulkner, Jared West, Noah Locke. Now, three of those are grad transfers, only here for one season. 
Um, so we'll start out with Malik Williams, since I imagine most of the segment will be um, dedicated to him. I, I will go out on a record and I'll say, you know, I, I think most people, it, it's a little bit unfair to Malik because most people will remember him for um, this season, you know, you know, some of the suspensions and stuff like that, um, you know, the quote unquote off the court issues or on the court issues, I should say, uh, locker room issues. And um, I get it. Sometimes his style of play may not necessarily um, be what most fans are looking for from him, but I will go on the record and saying, you know, I tip my hat to him. I'm extremely grateful um, for uh, his role over the past couple of years in this program because what people forget, and I get it, recency bias is a very real phenomenon. So the last taste in people's mouths of, you know, you know, the legacy of Malik Williams is going to be, you know, about the suspensions, about, you know, the turmoil within the program. And it's going to be associated with a 13 and 19 disappointing season, one of the dis- one of the most disappointing seasons in Cardinal basketball history. But I'll go out on the record, and I will say that um, you know, at any time in the past five years, he could have given up on this program. He could have turned his back on this program. He could have left this program. But instead, he embraced the you know the unknown he embraced the i don't want to say controversy i guess you could say the obstacles and the uphill battle and he doubled down he doubled down in his support um, of this program he doubled down as a cardinal and that's really all you could have asked for and more because like i mentioned there were many many opportunities for him to say you know what maybe it's time for a change of scenery you know i've been here Long enough, um, you know, I can go somewhere, play another year. I can go play, uh, you know, overseas or, or try to make a career in the NBA, etc. You know, I can go somewhere else and I can play. But he didn't do that. You know, he played for four head coaches. Um, you know, the rug got pulled out from them. You know, when Patino got fired, he decided to stay. Uh, stayed throughout the pageant year. Um, when Chris Mack was hired, decided to stay on as well. Obviously, this year didn't go as planned, um, but he decided. But but don't get don't get it twisted. He decided to come back after spending almost all of the um, or a good amount of the 2019 season hurt. Or 2019-20 season hurt. Had, had some injuries there, and then you know he spent some of the 2021-22 or I'm sorry 2020-2020-2021 season. So the two season before before this. It was very injury-plagued for Malik Williams. So, I mean, like I said, there's been many instances in which he could have given up. He could have went somewhere else. He could have just, you know, said, oh, you know what? It's time for me to end this chapter of my life. But he never did. He doubled down for his support of this program. He embodied what it meant to be a Cardinal with his resilience and his patience and his overall hard work. Look, I get it. Um, You know, it's not great to have your senior captain, you know, multiple time captain, um, you know, get suspended for some, you know, off the court issues or maybe even on the court. I really, it's hard to tell, you know, issues in practice, I should say. I guess I don't want to like say off the court, like outside of the basketball realm, because I guess it wasn't the basketball realm. But I, you know, you can choose to, you know, remember Malik Williams for what you will. Um, I, I do think that, you know, he didn't necessarily. Maybe it really kind of depends on the 
expectations you had for him coming in. I, I understand, you know, sometimes you got frustrated with him as a player. Um, he made some, you know, questionable shot selections, um, you know, and stuff like that. But I, I just am going to, you know, choose to remember him for what he stood for with this program and his unra- unwavering support and overall just commitment to this university when he had every single you know reason not to and every opportunity to go elsewhere. So, um, you know, hats off to Malik. We wish him the best. Um, you know, gonna miss, gonna miss him. Um, you know, like I said, just wish him the best. I maybe necessarily not the the seasons that he's hoped for in the past three years. Um, you know, both injury wise and performance wise, but. Nonetheless, what he stood for for this program is big time. Um, the other three seniors, Noah Locke, Jared West, and Mason Faulkner, all came in um, as grad transfers. And don't don't worry, we're going to do a, a season review for it will probably be uh, two players at a time season review that will talk about you know their best game this season. Um, you know, overall, how do they you know meet expectations? Etc. So on and so forth. If there, if there's a possibility they come back next year, um, you know what could be the outlook for them next season. Um, you know, so on and so forth. But these three came to the Derby City um, after your know, respective stints at their previous destinations. One season with the Cardinals. I would say that all three um, obviously didn't match the production that they had. Um, you know, at their other at their other uh, places of enrollment. Um, and I think that all three came from maybe, you know, Mason Faulkner kind of assumed that star role for um, Western Carolina, but Noah Locke, Jared West, role players um, that came to Louisville and, you know, had to be expected to be, you know, kind of almost like, a, you know, starting caliber players um, because, you know, not a lot of people really stepped up on this team throughout the season. So I thought Noah Locke, um, you know, kind of struggled. To get his shot down all season long, uh, got a little bit better throughout the season and uh, probably played his best ball at the end of the year. Same with Jared West. I thought Jared West's offensive, um, you know, productivity came uh, along, you know, in strides at the very end of the season. Mason Faulkner had um, up and down moments to where, you know, he played really well. Other times, maybe not so much. Um, But ultimately, like I said, um, you know, it's easy to harp on the, the tough points of this season, considering the fact that, you know, it was 13, 19, not up to Louisville standards by any stretch of the imagination. But at the end of the day, um, you know, shout out to all three of those guys for deciding to come here. Um, We hope that it was everything that, you know, they wanted, you know, context wise, obviously not being able to make the tournament, not having a good season, um, you know, kind of dampers that a little bit, but hopefully they enjoyed their time here. We wish all three of them the best of luck. Um, even though, you know, they didn't necessarily maybe live up to expectations collectively as a group. I feel like all three individually had some, you know, pretty solid moments, um, but definitely not necessarily the expectations coming in for all three as a collective group. But we wish them the best, um, you know, shout out to them for coming here, for deciding to come here, to deciding to come to be Cardinals. Um, they could have gone anywhere they came here. And um, unfortunately, I wish you know we could have sent them out on a little bit of a better note. So, uh, like I said, we'll continue to do the season reviews as the uh, you know next couple of days go on. Hopefully, there's a new coaching hire um, you know sometime here in the near future. So we will see. Um, but with the final segment of the show, 
the football program has seemingly finalized its coaching staff after um, you know moving Nick Cardwell over to the offensive line coach and making Josh Stepp the new tight end coach. We will analyze both of those moves here in just a second, and I'll tell you why I like those moves after we talk about our friends. First, beginning with Run Your Pool. March Madness is literally about a week and a half away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this season. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you want ESPN or CBS. Clearly, we believe Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter the promo code PUREMADNESS at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That is runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. Before we get into the final segment of the show, I want to talk about our friends and the title sponsor of this episode, Bet Online. It's that time of year as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. The best time of the year. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info and remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, final segment of the show the Louisville football program has you know withstood some you know coaching departures but uh, for the most part they had everything kind of uh, set in stone with maybe one more hire yet to be made um, but Jack Bicknell uh, made the move to North Carolina leaving the offensive line position open uh, Scott Satterfield and company uh, decided to move Nick Cardwell over to the offensive line and now uh, it was announced on Wednesday that Georgia State, I'm sorry, Georgia Southern, I believe. No, no, Georgia State. I get them mixed up. Georgia State offensive coordinator Josh Stepp is the new tight ends coach. I like both of these moves. Um, first, we'll talk a little bit about Cardwell. Um, this was one of those instances. Hold on, I'm trying to type. Uh, this was one of those instances to where there was a lot of support internally for Cardwell to get this position. As we mentioned, um, you know, he, he's been a Satterfield guy throughout pretty much his whole um, coaching career. Uh, spent a lot of time at App State. He's a former tight end himself. He's coached tight ends a lot. Um, but he's also been, you know, an offensive quality control coach um, at Appalachian State. Um, a big hype man here at the University of Louisville. I mean, you saw the instances to where you know he's he's hyping the guys up before the game you know all that energy and stuff like that uh, in 2015 and 16 cardwell was the offensive line coach and recruiting coordinator at north greenville university so he has some experience on you know coaching the offensive line and this is one of those to where it, it kind of makes you wonder because doesn't have a lot of high um, experience with the offensive line, more of an expertise in the tight end department. Um, but I think it speaks volumes that there were a lot of guys on the offensive line that advocated 
um, for, you know, just kind of pushed for Cardwell to get this position. Um, you know, you'd heard throughout the media that a lot of guys were wanting Cardwell to get it, but I reached out to someone who is uh, friends with some people on the offensive line, and they came back to me with the message that it's pretty much a unanimous thing to where, you know, they want Cardwell to be their offensive line coach. And I think that kind of speaks volumes and it kind of alleviates some of the, um, you know, concerns that I had about some of the uh, lack of, um, you know, overall, I guess you could say, um, experience with the offensive line. There's a very, very veteran led group. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, comes about. Jack Bicknell had these guys playing at a very high level in 2021. All eyes will be on the offensive line to protect Malik Cunningham and the running back uh, committee in 2022. Um, but I, I like the hire. I like the energy he brings. There's a um, there's a a factor that we'll talk about here in a second that I, I think makes me like it even more. Of the tight end um, hire, Josh Stepp, the offensive coordinator at Georgia State. He actually was promoted to offensive coordinator in January, wasn't able to, um, you know, showcase any of that coaching, um, you know, this this upcoming season, having just been named it in January, but spent the last six seasons at Georgia State where he helped uh, a handful of tight ends get some all-conference honors. Um, and during this time, I, I will read this from CardChronicle.com's uh, Mike Rutherford, and I quote, "During uh, it says, Step was a key member of the offensive staff that produced record-setting units, leading the Panthers to four straight winning seasons and bowl berths. He helped the GA GSU offense produce the top three scoring figures in program history and three of the top four total offense marks over the last three years. During that time, the Panthers set school records for scoring, touchdowns, total offense, and rushing offense. And, um, you know, another thing, I, I think that um, the versatility and the overall, um, you know, I think that the these coordinators and the coaches that um, Scott Satterfield is bringing in are not just, um, you know, having expertise in one certain position. You know, Josh Stepp, although he's a tight end or he was a tight ends coach, he also, um, you know, specialized with coaching and running backs. Um you know, coaching running backs uh, was going to be the quarterbacks coach uh, this upcoming season, uh, and that, that's another factor is why I like this Cardwell hire. You know, not only do you have the offensive line, but having that cohesion now with the, a well-rounded knowledge of the tight end position. You know, having that, you know, now into the offensive line, I think it seamlessly fits together because, you know, tight ends block a lot in Louisville's, um, you know, scheme. You know, tight ends are used to block, you know, with the running of Malik Cunningham and stuff like that, Marshawn Ford. There's a handful of guys that are in this, um, you know, this tight end group that I'm excited to see how they work with Josh Stepp. And you see that with Lance Taylor as well. He will assume the wide receiver, you know, coaching wide receivers. You know, he has a lot of uh, versatile experience and expertise. And that's something that I think is very valuable is having a lot of guys that you know know more than just one position that they're coaching. So I think that that's something you know Scott Satterfield preaches versatility on the field. Well, it seems like that versatility stems over into the coaching aspect as well. So talked a little bit about the end of the season for the men's basketball team, the contest against Virginia, the um, overall 
you know, seasons for the respective seniors. And then we talked about the two hires or yeah, two hires for the football program. Tomorrow will be a little bit more of a recruiting based show. There's been a couple um, commitments for the football program for the 2023 class. I've been kind of holding it off because it seems like there's a couple more still in the works. Um, regardless, we will have an episode for that tomorrow. Um, before we get out of here, a couple quick shout outs. First, the Cardinal Sports podcast the most recent episode dropped day you can check that out at cardinalsportszone.com as always i want to say thanks for making locked on will be your first listen of the day now check out locked on nfl draft ryan tracy and former nfl quarterback eric crocker bring the nfl draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and nfl front offices it's free and available wherever you get your podcast but that's going to wrap up this thursday edition of the show everyone have a great day and we will see you right back here tomorrow Go cards.